Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. joined this afternoon by both Tony Kanan and co-host of the show every once in a while, David Malukas. Gentlemen, we'll start with you guys. How's uh, how's the McLaren world so far this year? I'll, I'll let David start because he's in the in the fun part of the world on the McLaren world, and I, uh, <laughs> I I switched to the other side, so I'll let him I'll let him talk to you guys about it. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, well, thank you, TK. Um, no, the, the McLaren side has been incredible. Uh, it's been very busy, but very busy doing a lot of fun things. We've been doing a lot of testing, a lot of PR events. I've been doing um, a lot of cool things that I've kind of had like bucket list down. So it's been good. I just actually came back yesterday from uh, from a test. So uh, we getting comfortable with the car, building chemistry and starting to kind of figure out what my team's going to be going into next year. Cool. So let's let's put you on the spot to start here. You've worked alongside a TK now for you know a couple months ish, give or take. What's it? What's it like? Oh boy! Oh man! It's just, uh... <laughs> it's just... no. TK has been awesome. Um, he's been very busy. Um, incredibly busy. But uh, with the, the the short times that we have talked, it's been very helpful. Um, honestly, the the biggest thing for me is just coming from. From where I was previously to now, it's kind of just been the big changes, just having a lot of resources, and it's something that I'm not really used to. And it's just been talking with TK and trying to figure out how I can use these resources to the best of my ability, um, just to kind of get ready for this next season. And that's kind of what kind of been the biggest change and the biggest difference. Um, and also, he's just helping me, you know, get comfortable with everybody and trying to introduce me and and, and see how uh, how everybody's going to mesh together. So I feel like you guys are among some of the busiest, probably the busiest team and set of drivers within IndyCar. But did you get a chance at all to follow the Rolex 24, watch some of your McLaren colleagues and some of the McLaren GT3 cars go racing? I watched it a little bit, but to be fair, I think, I mean, Rossi was out pretty early. Um, then, uh, I mean, it started getting late night. Then I went to bed. I woke up. I mean, Pato was like lapped down. So I was like, okay, so... I you know, all everybody that I was looking at and rooting for was kind of already out of it. So, um, yeah. And then after that point, it was my test coming up and just sort of focusing on the test day from yesterday. So I'm going to throw this one to TK. Your role since you drove in the 500 last May has obviously changed and, and evolved, especially since since then. So can you talk us through... A, how it changed, and B, how did the whole process come about since you know since May ended? Mike, it was it's it's interesting because 
I've obviously I've known Zach for 30 years and um, my role has changed twice already in less than a year. I don't know if that is when you get a job like that, is it a good thing or is it's a bad thing, you know, but I mean, honestly, uh, it started it when I signed with Zach in October of the previous year. I said, can, can, can I come to the shop more often until, um, until the 500 because I didn't want to show up to one-off race. I needed to know my guys. A lot of actually, a lot of my guys are on the F1 test car. So I, I was not going to meet them. Um, so I just wanted it to hang. He said, sure. So sure enough, from I would say December on of last year until May, I was in the shop all the time. So it's almost like I became a, you know, a full-time driver and, you know, you're in the shop and, and I help pick up the trash or do something <laughs> that, that eventually involved to, why don't you come to every race? So, and then I also ask to come to every race up until the 500. So I could, you know, and so you, but you're there over, over the weekend. You're like, can I help? And yes, then I, I, I went from a timing stand to a timing stand. So on the third race, Zach was like, why don't you come to do this? Why don't you become an, a special advisor and uh, you come over um, every race weekend, just the race weekends. I know you're going to retire, blah, blah, blah. I said, sure, great idea. Well, May goes by and I do that, start enjoying it, still going to the, the shop once a week. Uh, and then by the time we got to Laguna, you know, I was still racing in Brazil, some stock car races in Brazil. Sure. So it was really, really busy. I wasn't planning to go to every IndyCar race. So I told my wife, hey, <laughs> we're going to be good. We're going to have the summer. Sure enough. And then at Laguna, he was like, hey, I need you to come in full time. I'm like, full time? Well, what am I going to do? He's like, well, actually, why don't you tell me what can you do? And then we'll talk about it. So me, naive enough, I should know better. Um, I <laughs> went home and to impress the boss, I made a, a list that was huge. And I presented to him. He he read it. He says, good. I said, what do you mean good? Good. You're going to do all that. I'm like, <laughs> so I thought he was going to pick something. Sure. Yep. Yep. I said, Zach, I can't. He said, well, you wrote it. Of course you can do it. So anyway, <laughs> that was it. And I'm loving it. Obviously, a different dynamic. Um, this nine to five thing, It's uh, I'm still getting used to it. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. But, you know, it's been... So much fun. Obviously, I was extremely involved on the decision of uh, getting David to the team. Um, I'm really proud that that you know the guy that he, he is and 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 he's shown so far previous to be driving for us and uh, so many challenges. I think it's uh, you know for me, like I said, I'm I'm putting probably a lot more effort. Uh, that I that I did when I was driving because it was more natural here. I'm still learning about the business and 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 and, and to be fair, there are a lot of things that I've learned that as a driver that I used to complain or I used to think one way that now that I'm on the other side, I understand a lot better. So I'm enjoying it a lot. Sorry, it was a long answer, but that is <laughs> that's uh, okay. That was the story. So I feel like McLaren has gotten us really hyped about this car launch coming up on the 6th, 7th, 8th, right? And just over a week, I guess it is. 
I don't know how much you guys can say, but you give us a little taste of what we can expect or uh, how excited we should be. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped for it. I don't think, David, have you seen it? I haven't seen, well, I actually, I mean, I don't know if I say I could see it. I saw on the edge of somebody's computer, it did say confidential <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to see it, but I saw, I saw a little, little bit of it. So I've kind of, it's been in the back of my head, but I'm pretending like I don't know anything. Uh, well, obviously I've, I've seen it. I can't say I haven't. And um, I love the way they do things. Obviously when you talk about paint schemes and, 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 and stuff, it can go either way, right? I can put a big hype on you guys and you go, well, that's not my style. But uh, I think, you know, knowing Zach and his team, I can assure you guys that it, it won't be disappointed. I think you guys seen the McLaren F1 paint scheme launch, how successful that was. So I can say uh, we're going to make some noise. That's all I uh, I can tell you. Oh. All right. Now, now, if I wasn't, if you're not excited before that, now you have to be excited after that. So, David, you tested last week. You you were in the car Monday, right? Yes. And you you ran the kind of first half of the 2024 year spec. You know, no hybrid for right now. It's 40 ish pounds lighter. So, how did the car feel? Does it feel you know a little bit quicker because it's somewhat lighter, or not a huge difference? No, it's it's a pretty big difference. It's you could definitely feel um, how much lighter it is. Uh, you know, going also from the testing that I've been doing with the team, it's been hybrid. So going from hybrid to this, it's 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 a big change, um, and I loved it. You know, and it was kind of like my first taste of getting, you know, how the setup's going to feel, how I can compare it to what I've been used to with non-hybrid, uh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it the entire day setup feels very good um and also trying to figure out where i want to go with with my setup um it's and it's like you know i'd say right now with with the way things are looking it's going to be almost like an in-between between pato and rossi um but it's it's still you know we're still figuring out a lot of things and yeah i mean it's it's crazy how different it is from a hybrid car to the non-hybrid especially with the the 40 pounds lighter it is it's it's massive so comparing your driving style to Pato and Rossi, you know, how do you kind of fit in the middle or what are you taking, if anything, from from either of your two teammates so far in, in testing to kind of, you know, drop, you know, mold into your own driving style? Yeah, and I I've, honestly, I think for me, a lot of where my driving style came from is from Indy Next. You know, I spent about two years there roughly kind of weird COVID year, but <laughs> we, uh, that car, it's a, such a specific way to drive and you have to be driving to the absolute max. The wheel needs to be, I mean, it's like pure chaos. The, the rear is all over the place. It's pure oversteer. And that's something that I really adapted to and got used to towards the end of the, the Indy next season, because you kind of just had to, for that car to be successful. And it's something that's carried over going into Indy cars. It's, I like a, a more of a, of a free setup on, on the rear um and Pato's is very much on that extreme side uh but his is like <laughs> intensely extreme I mean that guy is like Mr. Fast Hands no matter what car he's in where he's going I mean he is going to the absolute max and it is on rails um so the setup is a little bit more towards Pato's side just not 
as much on the extreme with with Twake taking a little bit of tweaks in here and there from from Rossi setup. And I I really like the ecosystem. You know, going into it, I had some questions on which way things are going to go, but I actually think it's worked out really well. And I almost feel like I can connect with both drivers. I can trust that whatever changes they make, we can pick and choose from both of them, and it's not going to be such like a a drastic window of changes. So TK, I feel like no interview for the next, I don't know, several months is going to be complete without someone asking you about the induction into the IMS Hall of Fame. So I have to to ask you how that feels. And if you ever even considered like that would be something that, that happened to you one day. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age... You're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Well, Mike, honestly, uh, I'm glad that they did it while I'm still alive so I can enjoy that because I thought <laughs> those kind of things happen when you're gone and you never get to see it. So <laughs> um, I was surprised. Um, I, I was Obviously, you know how you guys probably know how involved I am with the Speedway. I was I'm extremely involved with the museum. I I try to help them, you know, in any way, shape, or form. I know they actually just got a huge donation. I mean, from different people, but we're gonna go through a huge transformation, which is great. Um, I live in India. I take my kids there all the time. Anyway, the the president of the museum texted me. A month ago saying i need to speak to you and you know nowadays i'm flat out so we're like i'm like listen go ahead on, on a text message you know it's like nowadays that's how sometimes we communicate says, no no i need to facetime you i'm like man i mean okay but so i'm like yeah we'll talk and anyway i like two weeks go what goes by and he's like tony i need to talk to you so anyway i felt bad because i was really busy and then he told me i was i mean it was a really cool surprise obviously um you know i don't think any race car driver um starts racing because you know you want to be famous or you want to become part of the hall of fame or anything like that you you do it because you love it but when those things happen honestly at this point in age um it's pretty cool i mean i think and then you look at the names and and 
you're going to be there. I mean, winning the Indy 500, it already makes you a forever Indy 500 champion, part of a very small club. But that is, uh, it's cool. I mean, cool to 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 share that with my kids, honestly. Uh, cool to share with all the fans. And, you know, obviously I, I'm not driving anymore. So nowadays I take any compliments or rewards that I can get. But uh, yeah, um, I can't wait. I think it was, uh, if you guys haven't seen it, but I, uh, my sister wrote a pretty cool statement about it. And uh, I posted a very natural, which I, I was totally against to post that because I think uh, I was trying to translate to my wife. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'm humbled and uh, honored to, uh, to receive that. You touched on something there that I wanted to ask a little bit more about is just what is the feeling that you get to really share this with your kids as they're a little bit older? Like, how do they look at your career? Because obviously, I mean, they weren't probably super involved in the early days, but now they get Not to look all, back bro. on it with you. And I, I, that must be really cool. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, by the time my other three kids uh, were born, I wasn't doing very well anymore. So it's not like they saw me winning. One of my kids saw me winning the 500, the other three, almost two years ago. But to me, honestly, it, it, it what is really cool was that I was able to race long enough that now they all know what I've done, right? If like you're two, three, you're never going to remember. And But to me, the most important thing is now that they understand that, it's not about what I've achieved but it's about how I did it and my story of life. You're always trying to, to set an example for your kids, but also I think my story, if it's going to inspire people, that's why I tell the story. I don't tell the story because I want to brag about it or I want people to feel good or bad for me or like compassioned. I think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's cool to see one, when two of your kids says, man, I, I want to have your passion for something, which they, they're still discovering what to do, right? They don't want to drive, not in sports. But I said, that doesn't matter what you choose. But if you're going to choose it, do it right. And how much you gave up. And they all seen that because obviously me being racing, they they actually had to pay the price because I'm always gone, right? Uh -huh. So I'm, I, I mean, out of the four kids, two of them, I wasn't even there when they were born. The day that they were born, because also, so it, it's it was important to me because of that, and then I think having them around and understanding how important that was and how we inspire people—that's all I care. I mean, the trophies and stuff—they're so used to it that they grow up. They look at the Borg one <laughs> like, oh, that's a piece of metal there, whatever." You know, <laughs> why do you have to wear a ring when you win? You know, so. <laughs> but to me, uh, that it. that was the the most important thing. It's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So you were part of the David Malukas recruitment process. And, you know, what what should you see in David before he was a, a McLaren driver that you were like, listen, we we definitely have to have, uh, you know, this kid on your team, especially when, you know, he's probably not that much older than than at least your oldest kids. So um, as he drops his microphone here. Um, so, you know, what was that 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 whole process like is. For those who can't see, David is getting very close to the camera so he can pretend he's he's uh, ultra listening. Well, Mike, I, I have to say, it's 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 a huge responsibility for me because I was that was my first 
task as a as my new job, right? That is the most the, the the part that I probably understand the most about my job. So the biggest thing, it wasn't hard to sell David, right? I I brought that up and they go, okay. Obviously, we had a list. They asked me for a list. Uh, he was on the top of my list, and I'll tell you guys why. But but then you need to sell that because what I see, it's not what they see. Sure. Because I've been on both sides. That is actually part of a lot of part of my job nowadays is to make that mid ground saying no, 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 it doesn't happen like that because I've now played both sides, um, and then. Obviously, engineers go, they go by results. But then you go, well, okay, but I'll give you an example. When I was hired by Michael Andretti, I was, I had finished 12th in the championship that year. So that means 11 guys ahead of me. Okay, a couple of them had contracts, but they were better than me. Why did Michael hire me? And Michael hired me first race for him. I was on the pole, second race, I won the race. And a year later, I won the championship for him. Would you have hired me? Uh, well, then that's the vision, right? So, but that was Michael, and and he had raced against me, so I had raced a little bit against David, but it wasn't. So they go, oh, well, we're gonna go the results. So, well, we gotta consider the team. So it was a process, and it got to a point that I actually had to say, are you guys gonna trust me or not? And and, and not because they didn't trust me. It was we had a few other options, and then there was always a debate, and I'm like, I've and I'm not saying that because he's here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've kept saying that's him. I, I, that's who I want. You guys are asking me who I want. And I was afraid it was getting late because I was fully aware of everybody's situation. That's another perk of being a driver. <laughs> so I actually uh, went to see his dad in his bus. And I mean... I actually had met his dad on an airplane and I had no clue it was his dad. <laughs> if you guys have met, uh, he's a character. I love the man. He got into the plane and saw me and basically typical, like a huge race fan yelled, come on, you can on the entire plane. Turned around like, who is this guy? And he had a team shirt on. Anyway. But that was the, the only interaction. And, and once I sat down to talk to him, I said, I, I came out of that meeting. I said, I will put my job on the line. But we, we're going to get him. So that was how much I was involved. Obviously, uh, uh, Zach and Gavin, those guys, uh, then they all went through the results and stats. And it wasn't hard because he had them, right? He had, took a consideration how big of a team he was and what the performance of those teams are. Um, so yeah, there was a, just no pressure to David, right? My job is on the line. So we'll see what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Go ahead, Frenchie. So I guess I just wanted to get both your perspectives on the team dynamics a little bit. I feel like you guys have some of the most, popular but also like entertaining and kind of i don't know i guess i wouldn't say rossi's like the social butterfly but like his personality is out there right he's not afraid to show who he is and neither are you david or pato right so i mean i think that draws fans to you but that it all just seems completely genuine the videos that social media posts and everything so 
is that really the dynamic that you guys have all the time? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, no, of course. You know, from from our side and from the the social side, you know, there there's no kind of script or rule. It's kind of just like, hey, just be yourself. You know, just be how you guys are. And I mean, straight off the bat, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, Rossi to start was a little bit intimidating. Uh, you know, the guy doesn't really. But once you actually get to know him, he's he's a really nice guy, really funny, um, and actually has a lot of personality that I feel like he, he kind of holds back a little bit. Um, so it, it and having Pato there and then and now me coming in with the trio like it kind of comes out a little bit and overall it's going to be a fun year um, a lot of good content I mean that stuff just comes naturally with with this trio and um, with the content side from Errol McLaren they do a really good job just from ideas and creative ideas on where we want to go what we want to do so all around really good group of people and from yeah just from a content side of things even I, I'm just having fun like you know, if, you know, normally drivers say, oh, I don't, I don't want to do the content. I just want to drive. But it's they actually come up with good ideas. And all around, we have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, it looks like I, if I, they just I, put I, a camera on you, then they can <laughs> find something good, right? It's what it seems like. I, I Obviously, just to add to that, I think it's part of the team culture. That's what we preach a lot at the shop with the guys. I mean, it is a very serious work. We all have huge responsibilities. We have a huge brand behind us that, automatically people are expecting us to perform to win and to be the best so why not having fun have fun so uh that is zach's mojo and, and gavin uh every time we have a team hurdle that's the number one priority if you're not having fun why you're doing it you know and and, and i think those guys are um you know obviously the three of them rossi pretends that he is serious but you guys get to know him he's a pretty funny guy so i only have one more question it's just kind of curious something i i mentioned to david earlier you you have the first half of the year car spec and then you have a hybrid component coming in some point after the indy 500 so you know both from a driver's perspective and a former driver's perspective slash, slash working for the team you know is that as challenging as it seems to those of us who have never been in a race car before? Oh yeah. Big time. And I think you talk about weight difference, like, you know, yeah. um, you talk about a completely different system. You're talking about changing that right in the middle of the season, which is the busiest part of the year. That is a lot of challenges. I, I'm not going to sit here and judge their decision because it's it's easy to criticize sure, or sure. or not if you don't know the behind the scenes right so it must be a reason i fully support indycar for that and it's no different than you get a sponsor and they're in the car and they expect you to win the race and you know we're very capable people we're we're going to figure out but it is ideal no but i'm, I'm not definitely indycar didn't or IndyCar and Chevy and Honda didn't think that they want to do that in the middle of the year just to say, oh, you know what? We want to give these guys extra work because they're working as well. So I think it's always part of a change. And anytime you have a big change like that, it, it takes time to adjust. And I think uh, it's going to, um, in a way, as a race fan, it's going to shake up the championship quite a bit because who knows? who figures sure, it out sure. first and who's better prepared. Obviously, the bigger teams are always going to be better prepared, um, you know, most likely. But it's going to be interesting. So 
you know, we can sit here and talk about, oh, should they wait? And But as a race fan, if you guys want excitement, you have it. So we'll see what's going to happen. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. But, but, you know, we've been doing a lot of, as a team, now we're extremely lucky because we are, we are one of the four teams that actually have been testing. So I would say it's going to be debatable that we have a little bit of an advantage. But you say that, and then all of a sudden we'll be the ones struggling because we know the most. Who knows? But it's it's not going to be easy. But hey, uh, we're we're part of a series. We'll support the series, and we'll do whatever it needs to be done. David, yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's a really good way of putting it that it is going to be very hard from everybody's side, from IndyCar to the teams to the drivers, but. From a fan's point of view, it definitely will shake things up. Uh, you know, the testing from a non-hybrid to hybrid, the times did vary quite a bit between the teams. Um, and there's just so many more items that you have at your disposal from a driver's side to an engineering standpoint. So many different capabilities, possibilities, just like it's it opens up a whole new realm and they just keep adding to it. And from all these tests that we've been learning from, it will definitely have, I think, add like a pretty big gap to the field on where people are going to be, um, even between the teams that have been testing. Uh, so I, I do believe that maybe, you know, we will have a bit bit of an advantage if the hybrid does end up coming out halfway through the season, but it'll definitely shake things up. Like it's going to, it's going to make things very interesting. So in some ways, if you look at it from that perspective, they will be good. But in other ways, right now it's a bit tough because we're focusing on the first half of the season, but in the back of our heads, Rose is like, okay, well, you know, we have this these few days off till the next race. Maybe we should try working on hybrid strategies and and start looking into that before it actually comes in mid season. If it does, Frenchy, anything else? I'm good with that. No. All right, guys. Well, listen, we appreciate the time. You know, best of luck this year. We'll see you at the track at at some point. And uh, car launch is next week, the sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll we'll share it all out and enjoy, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. All right. See you guys. See you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.